Welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show Off-Season Edition. I am your host, Adam Caster, and I'm here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, do you like my sub subtitle? Love the subtitle. Uh, There's great production qualities right there. What can we say? We are uh, we're top notch. We are radio professionals. That's, this is actually it's this actually, is what we do. Yeah, actually, it's a subtitle, not a sub subtitle, because there's no, there's only the one colon, because it's the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, and then you put the colon, and that's off season edition. Yeah, subtitle. That's what I said. It's a subtitle. No, but it's not a sub subtitle because there's some things that are like that, where you have two of them. It's very dumb. It's like one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Well, there are a lot of the thi- there are a lot of things already in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one that could be classified as quote dumb things. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but congratulations, Adam Gase was fired. That's yes. great news. That's not a dumb thing. No, that's the smartest thing that's any- that anyone's ever done all year, besides trading for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. When you only have to give up like B B tier prospects and. Two short shortstop stops. that really is not even that good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you know, you like Andres Jimenez, but he's not Francisco Lindor. Uh, I was, I was going to say Ahmed Rosario. No, well, you, well, they gave out both of them. Right. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah. that was the shortstop that I was alluding to that is really not that good. <laughs> no, he's not. He, he really isn't. He's like, he had one good half season and that was basically, basically it. That's spot on. That is spot on. If you are looking for more of some quality baseball content, definitely listen to the Basement Talk podcast. It is currently out, and we did discuss did discuss the Lindor trade. We were actually in the middle of recording said podcast when the Lindor trade came out. It's always fun when that happens. See, that never happens to us. N- never. It is when it's when we are editing is when something comes out. See. When Jake and I did it, we were mid-flow when the Lindor news came out talking about baseball. We were talking about baseball, and it came out. I was like, thank you. This this, this is a gift. Some people this get all luck. Swift transition, talking into something else. We're too busy talking about the Padres. Then we got to swiftly transition and talking about the Mets. And I was like, oh, thank you. Speaking of teams that make batshit trades, let's move on to the Mets. I thought we were going to talk, I we were going to talk about the the, uh, the Padres. We're going to well, say, the Padres also. We love trends. the Padres. We are big Padres people here in Huntington, New York. AJ Preller, at a boy. That is Walt Whitman High School's finest. Champions of the offseason. Champions of the offseason and Walt Whitman High School alumnus, AJ Preller. Yep. What a guy. What a guy. He's the second most famous guy ever to come out of Whitman High School. Who's the most famous? Me, of course. I figured you were gonna say that. Just set that up right for you. See, see, this is what you did, Adam. This is this is what you do. You, you, you're you're the master. I put it on this. a T. I put it on a T. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're gonna be exactly you're gonna be such a, you're gonna be such a good when you when you are a parent. You're gonna be the perfect <laughs> T-ball coach because you are so good at putting something on the T just to be knocked out of the park. Well, good. I hope my future son or daughter uh, succeeds in T-ball. I hope they do as well. You know, the two famous people that have come out of Paul D. Schreiber High School in Port Washington. Can you name them? I feel like you've told me this. I've probably told you one. I feel like you have. 
because one is actually is actually very famous for us for sports i feel like you have his dad is also very famous his dad is also very famous not joe buck because he's saint he's saint louis i know well you're on the right track they're broadcasters oh is it kenny albert it is kenny albert yes that was the one that you told me yeah that was the one you told me who's the other one anthony scaramucci really yep oh shit that's right (laughs) the more you know look at you adam wikipedia adam is famous hey i wasn't gonna say it was me hey at least adam attended hofstra university where he has multiple degrees he is a rated professional he is an award-winning journalist and some of the famous alumnus to have attended Hofstra University include Wayden Krebet, Marcus Colston, and Francis Ford Coppola. You could add a fourth name to that list, Mr. Adam Caster, who subscribes to the AP and is part of the 1%. The funniest part, actually, before we move on to our main topic, is that when I was, I was working yesterday during all of the, uh, you know, the time travel back to 1865 that happened, <laughs> And Craig Carton and Evan Roberts got Port Washington's own class of 1982 uh, student council president, Shriver High School, Anthony Scaramucci on the air. I was like, oh my God, one of our own. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, so really what we're going to talk about is not just, you know, talking about baseball and politics and people who are famous that used to live in our towns. Well, Chris Hogan does live in my town. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, Kenny Albert and uh, Scaramucci do not currently live in Port Washington, unfortunately. Yeah, Scaramucci Scaramucci lives out east. Yeah. Although Boomer lives like a town over. Mm -hmm. I think they say he lives in in Plandome, which is pretty cool. Yeah, good. Rich area. Yeah. Well, West Egg. West Egg. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That... Very good, Adam. We love a nice little Gatsby reference here on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. That is outstanding work. You want to hear a reference? You want to hear a, a secret? Sure. It's no, no longer be a secret. Never read the book. What? Nope, never read it. Are you uncultured? No, it's not a point of pride. I just never read it. What? I feel like everybody's read great. Okay. Have you read Catcher in the Rye? I have. Okay. So how could you have read Catcher in the Rye and not have read Greg Gatsby? Different English class, I guess. We Okay. I did know. you read um, Did you read Of Mice and Men? We did not read that. Okay. Interesting. Um, Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, 1984. Yes. Great novel. Yes. Very applicable to today's times. Very much so. Uh, what other? What other? I haven't read The Scarlet Letter either. I See, I read that in ninth grade, but it was like snippets of it. It wasn't like the entire thing. And to show you how much that I really just did not enjoy The Scarlet Letter, I, I can't even tell you what The Scarlet Letter was, honestly. Yeah. Terrible. I, I mean, there. Yeah, 
We read Dead Poet Society, which is a phenomenal book. I did too. Phenomenal. And the movie is also really good. Yes, the movie the movie is very, very, very good. Did you see? Now, 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 Adam, Adam, mm-hmm. this is putting our podcasting partnership on the line. This is a uh, loaded question, and if you do not answer this correctly, we're done. I have a really weird, bad feeling about this. Have you seen the Gatsby movie? I have seen the Gatsby movie. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Okay, we can continue. I was kind of I was kind of miffed that they chose like a modern soundtrack for a movie that took place in 1918 or whatever or whenever it took place. It was it was um as modern as modern can possibly be for the 1920s. No, with like the hip hop stuff. I was like this is kind of interesting that they would put this in in, in a great Gatsby movie. In an adaptation of The Great Gatsby. Yeah, but I mean, they had to make it somewhat modern. I mean, it worked. It's just kind of a weird artistic choice. I mean, honestly, I bet you there's 60% of the people that didn't even know there was hip-hop music being played in The Great Gatsby because they were too busy staring at Leonardo DiCaprio and all of his deliciousness. Speaking of movies based off of high school novels... That star Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, we were, I was forced to watch like five minutes of the Romeo and Juliet movie. Oh, I, I was watching the entire thing. That was terrible. It Speaking was of horrible, forced in crowbar in hip hop, that was terrible. No, that that is up there for one of the worst films I think I've ever seen. And I think for, oh, how do I put this? Because this is going down a deep, dark hallway. Yeah. The. Oh, God. I don't even know how to say this properly. Because it's. And don't you love not having to do any previews or reviews where you just fucking do this? Oh, it's so amazing. I love it so much. The thing with Romeo and Juliet, the DiCaprio version, was that. Because Romeo and Juliet were younger, younger. So when they are, for all the high schoolers out there that had to sit through and watch. Borderline pedophilic. Correct. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Yes. So when you, when I was Juliet watching, like 15, she's supposed to be like 15. Yes. And Romeo is supposed to be 18 or something like that. Yes. Yeah. That's a that's what we call a big yikes. It's quite quite the big yikes. That borderline pedophilia was being broadcasted in, in schools as we're sitting there watching Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. But it's art. It's Shakespeare. Well, I 18, mean... 18-year-old making love to a 15-year-old. Pedophilia. 18-year-old making love to a 15-year-old with Shakespeare on it. Art. Yeah. Anywho. I mean, you're right, but I'm just not. All right. This is a deep, dark hallway. I want to be in this on my own, Adam. (laughs) Speaking of, yeah, no, I just, you you were not, you did not sell yourself short when you said this was a a deep, dark hallway. You you really. The darkest of hallways. (laughs) 
yeah really made it abundantly clear where we're going oh we're, we're going right into talking about average draft position and top 12 for next year of course for those of you that have st- that are still with us thank after- you very much in advance <laughs> Thank you for your perseverance is noted. (laughs) Let's talk about everybody's get get ready for this because this is coming for the next five or six months. Yeah. And even that you should get a you should get a medal, frankly. The dog days of winter are upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Really, I think thanks for tuning into the basement talk podcast. See you next week. (laughs) Yeah. But really, I think that. You know, let's just make this a, a literary show in general. Just talk about books that we read in high school and how ridiculous they, they were. Oh, God. Basement like Talk, Catcher book, in the Rye basement talk about, Podcast Book Club? Yeah. Actually, it's not a, it's not a terrible name. I'll let you do that one. <laughs> Catcher in the Rye is actually it's just about some whiny kid. Yes. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It's just ridiculous. It was kind of ridiculous. Even like, I'm like, this kid is like, it's like a privileged kid. We had a pretty solid home life. And he's like, oh, I'm so sad because I don't have any friends. I tried to get a whore, but I was too but I was too much of a wuss to actually do it. So I got punched in the face by her by her pimp. So I don't know why that scene that scene stuck in my head. I don't know why. So do you remember in The Catcher in the Rye when Holden, Holden Caulfield, great guy. Horrible person meets a certain Princeton grad at a party. Yeah. Do you remember what that Princeton grad's name was? No. <laughs> Eddie Birdsell. That's actually kind of funny. <laughs> I had not kidding. When everybody read that book in high school and they saw Eddie Birdsell for the first time in reading Catcher in the Rye. I think I had to deal with that for the better part of an entire calendar year. Eddie Burtz, oh my God, that's you. You're in the Catcher of the Rye. Yes, I am. I'm famous. <laughs> Only it's one letter difference. The real ones, the real ones would know that it's not S-E-L-L, it's S-A-L-L. Yeah. Only the real ones though. Yep. That's kind of like how it is with my family. Because my great uncle spells caster with an E. Well, really? my great uncle is no longer with us. He spelled caster with like his side of the family, his part of the family spelled, spelled it in like defiance of everybody else. He spelled it C-A-S-T-E-R. Really? Yep. And you were related even though he spelled it differently. Yeah. Well, it's my, gra- it's I my have grandpa. I've never heard of that. She's my grandpa's brother. Yeah. And he spelled it differently. That is very fascinating. It's kind of unfortunate that basically everybody that I could ask that would really know, I mean, aside from like two people is, is dead. So I can't even, I don't even know. Cause I know unless I get in touch with like, I don't know. Oh God. I can't believe you go, you go to an exorcist. Medium. You go to a medium, yeah, a medium, a medium. And you're able, and you're able to say, why was it C-A-S-T-E-R? Or why is why is it C A S T A R? Yeah. Yes, keep the side of the coin. Well, it's weird. The spelling of my last that could be a whole thing is the spelling of my last name. That's a special episode. That's a a special episode waiting to happen. It's a weird history. 
because I've seen it spelled O-R. I've seen it spelled E-R. I've seen it spelled A-R. So I don't, I don't, I do not know. Before we move on, talk about ADP. Adam, yep. one last question. One okay. last question to, te- to the ultimate test here. I would mm-hmm. see, I would love to do this. And this could be a fucking series and a half that I have. It's just bringing, bringing people on and seeing how compatible I am with these people. Just different guests that we've had on the show. That would be fascinating. Anyhow, compatible in what sense? Like how well we know each other. Oh, that's what we should do. We should do that one episode where it's like we just come up with fucking questions about ourselves and we ask and to see how comparable we really are. That would that's an idea. That would be that would be interesting. You'd find out some things real quick. And how this might just be a professional re- relationship after all. Could be. <laughs> could it very well could be. Um fuck. What was like? Oh, yes. Okay. So, as you are very well aware, maybe some people, maybe not, but obviously I am, I am bird. That's been my nickname for the dawn of time. Yes. But Eddie is what I'm also called. How do I spell it? Is it, do I spell it E-D-I-E or do I spell it E-D-D-Y? E-D-D-Y. That's how you spell it in all of your usernames. So I know. Very good, Adam. Yep. Very good, Adam. You know what, Adam? I will make a promise to you right now. Just for that, <laughs> just for that, I'm giving you a certificate that you can redeem at any time where there'll be no snarky comments from me about you being a radio professional or having multiple degrees from Hofstra University and being a subscriber to the AP and being a part of the 1%, a one-time coupon that you can redeem at any time. You know what? That's like one of the nicest things you've ever done for me. Besides, that doesn't involve <laughs> buying me sandwiches. Just call it, call it a bird buck. I, it's not a bad. It's not bad. Thank you very I, much. I appreciate. I, it. I, I, and I appreciate it that you were that I had this coupon. Well, you had this coupon that you are free to use at any time. So do I have to let you know before the episode? You can before. let me know during the episode before, whenever you feel like. Because if I, so like if I feel that I'm about to get, that like something's about to happen where I'm walking into something that I could say, listen, I'm using, I'm using the coupon. Yep. Okay. You are using the coupon. We have bird bucks and we have caster cash. Caster cash. I don't know what the caster cash is good for yet, but we'll figure that out later. <laughs> it's based on faith. Faith and the trust in the American government. <laughs> Great. That's that's a sharing. <laughs> yeah, not worth much. Anyway, <sighs> we've uh, we've digressed long enough. Don't you just love our enough. season shows? They're great. They're great. We've digressed long and far enough. And we're talking about the the favorite stat of every fantasy football guru, every fantasy football nerd, if you will. And that is average draft position, ADP. Frankly, it is one of my favorite stats to look at just because you see a situation. It's always fun. It's fun more in hindsight because really that's when you use ADP is in hindsight because I don't think you're, you're not necessarily basing your draft on what everybody else is doing. Because really, when you listen to us, 
you want to be ahead of the curve. You don't want to be doing what everybody else is doing, more or less. If, so, if everybody else, it's the old saying, if everybody else was jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you do it? Would you do it as well? It's like, no, of course not. The, an- the answer is I'd be pushing people off. That's a, that's a but very not jumping kind of, myself. That's a very different kind of kind of show. <laughs> it's a very different kind of crime. <laughs> there are different. There, there are more podcasts that cover pe- pushing people off of bridges than there are fantasy football, and that's a fact. Well, well, you can push people off of the bridge. In this instance, you can hype up someone that you don't really like in hopes that you are going to get somebody else because someone else gets caught up in the hype. For example. And I will use the pushing off the bridge um, metaphor, like that. Like that, I'm using my uh, my English terms here. That's an, I think that's an SAT word, maybe. So during the draft this year, I guess this is this is a strategy that I think you can you listeners can all apply to your drafts for next year. Is talking up a guy if you know they are in your sort of range of where you'll be picking, you can hype up a guy as much as you want. And hope that the guys behind you get so caught up in the hype, especially if you know that they're not necessarily involved in all this pre-draft analysis and they're going in and basically winging a draft or something like that. You could talk those guys up and hope to God that you're not in a situation where you have to pick them. So, for example, I did this during a draft this year where I was in the back end. I had the number one overall pick. I took I took McCaffrey and then I was hoping to get my hands on one of Adam Thielen or Amari Cooper. And I did all my pre-draft charting and everything like that. And I just said, I'm not going to get them. I'm not going to get one of them. And so what I ended up doing was the running backs that were in that range, because this is a keeper league as well. So the options are much, much, much thinner where I ended up really hyping and hyping heavy how much I love Le'Veon Bell hyping that train to the max basically saying he's there i'm taking him hoping that someone in that range was gonna bite the bullet and try and be like oh haha yeah i know you wanted levy on bell now you can't have a loom and that's exactly what ended up happening was when i was on the clock or before i was on the clock in the second round the person in front of me ended up taking levy on bell and i got i was blessed with amari cooper i was like oh great this is awesome so in, in this metaphor, yeah, you could absolutely push push people off the bridge. Totally. Sell them on this idea of, of false hope and false promise that they're taking a guy that you wanted when really you're just hoping that you get somebody else. Yeah, I think really I almost thought you were doing this when you were hyping up Michael Thomas so much. Where you were th- when you said, Oh, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Michael Thomas first overall. Or I'm picking Michael Thomas. There's no nobody's going to stop me. Yada yada yada. Where I think people kind of like bought into the hype of Michael Thomas. Where you where if you you weren't picking first, you're picking third or fourth. Then the other guy is like, well, if Bird thinks Michael Thomas is so good, maybe I'm going to pick him, so Bird doesn't have him. I wish I was. And but I mean, I mean no we're, after now, now, so, yeah, we're at the season now, so yeah, we're at the season now, so if. I was trying to push Michael Thomas on people. I would say it. I wasn't. I was just, I was dead wrong on that. Yep. Hey, fun, fun fact for you. Um, Yes. Dak Prescott, who's been injured since week four, 
has had more receiving touchdowns this year since Michael Thomas. Wow. Yep. He has had more receiving touchdowns this year than Michael Thomas. Yeah. That's pretty terrible. It, it definitely is. But it goes to show you, that's my quarterback. So for 2020, a lot has changed in fantasy football. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot has changed in fantasy football. And you can just see that by looking at ADP rankings from the beginning of the season. And I think that really goes for every season is that the rankings that you look at for preseason and then the rankings that you look at at the end of the season, they're not the same. I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, yeah, there's no way. It's just that level of consistency just doesn't, is not there. That's why you play the games. So we have this, this little list here of, you know, players and their rankings from the beginning of the 2020 season around September. And we're going to give you a couple of players that we think that overperformed a couple of players that we think that underperformed, obviously the obvious, obvious, obvious underperformer is what goes without saying is Michael Thomas. Duh. Yeah. I mean, in this ranking, he's ranked eighth. Definitely. Uh, definitely did not finish the season. Ranked better eighth. than mine. Yeah. A lot better than mine. <laughs> uh, you want to do, you want to be positive first? Or you want to be negative first? Well, it kind of was just negative first. Okay. So we'll, uh, are we including Michael Thomas in, in one of your four? You know what? Let's not, because Michael Thomas is obvious. Michael Thomas is very obvious. So I don't think, it just doesn't make any sense. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that's obvious. That but we obvious. also we also told you about that. So we can't, yeah, no, that's not one of those things where you, no, of course. Hell no. No. We told you. We told you to told stay you. away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to give one first? You want me to give one first? Sure. So we're going ne- we're going negative. Yes, we are going negative first. Well, um, I'll go well, first then. You go first. Yeah. Go ahead. So I'm going to give Ezekiel Elliott as one who underperformed. That's he, very fair. He's at three in these rankings. Mm-hmm. He was drafted at three by me. Um. And three or four, whatever. I think it, by me. And he he very much underperformed. And even after I traded him to you, he still he, he was worse when I traded it after I traded him to you, weirdly. But he he definitely underperformed um this season. And I mean, he was definitely you can definitely say injuries. That's why I don't I don't want to put a player like Saquon Barkley in the underperformed tier. Or even somebody like Christian McCaffrey. Well, are we counting injuries? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, injuries, you can't predict injuries. It's not like they it's not like they sucked. Yeah. So for it's guys injuries. that were out for more time during the season than they played, we won't count. Like Cortland Sutton, for example, we won't count him. Right. Even though he was an obvious bust. But Ezekiel Elliott, he played in almost every game. Mm-hmm. So he counts. 
Saquon Barkley does not count. I don't even think, I don't know if Christian McCaffrey even counts. No, he doesn't count. Yeah. And when he played, he was terrific. Right. So, yeah, but Ezekiel Elliott definitely does count. He he underperformed big time. And it was injury, it was due to injury. And I think not only to him, but to his offensive line. But I don't know how much stock I would take in that because Tony Pollard looked like it looked like they switched bodies for a lot of the season. Yeah, and it's quite funny how Tony Pollard goes off against the 49ers and Zeke makes sure his ass is back when they play the Eagles. Yep. To remind everyone, nope, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm here. Save the day. But if if Zeke, if this is the the downward trajectory, hopefully not. I mean, knock on wood, then you might be seeing Zeke Elliott as a cap casualty in a couple of years. Uh, not to completely kill the discussion that's taking place after we go through the ADP. Um, is Zeke in your top 12 for next year? I really don't think so. Interesting. Interesting. He is in mine. He is in mine. He, if anything, he'd be 13. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Just because, just because, I mean, listen, the offensive line is going to be back. The team is going to look better if Dak returns. Um, if and when Dak returns, or if they, you know, pull some. Listen, I, not like sources or anything, but you know, you hear like when I was at work today, I was listening, I was listening in, and they were saying, oh, the Cowboys would be a great spot for Deshaun Watson. And if, if that is the case. So, I mean, if they have a, a, a you know, franchise caliber quarterback there, I think it would do wonders for Ezekiel Elliott. Cause I think it was a combination of injuries to himself, injuries to the offensive line, but also the fact that teams were really keying in on Ezekiel Elliott, knowing that the quarterbacks that Dallas had were not going to um, provide the same sort of threat level that you would see from a Dak Prescott. I was about to say, we have a franchise quarterback. His name is Dak Prescott. So I don't know what kind of uh, slander and rhetoric is uh, being spewed on WFAN, New York's number one sports radio station. Um, no, I'm saying... If they if they don't want to sign Dak, oh, if they don't want to sign Dak, then yeah, that opens up a whole other can of worms. Yes, yes, but all indications say it that the Cowboys and, and Dak are going to revisit this and hash something out. So that'd be quite the pipe dream for Cowboys fans. What Deshaun Watson? Yeah, no, no, Dak is better. Uh, you, you, yeah. Maybe. What do you expect? What do you expect me to say? I Where don't. You, you expect me to say that uh, my guy Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott's best quarterback in the league? It's better than Mahomes. Well, I'm not even surprised that you would say something like that because you are a Cowboys fan. The only quarterback that's better than Dak Prescott all time is Tony Romo. Of course, <laughs> Tony Romo, yeah. then Dak, then Troy Aikman, then Roger Staubach. Of course. And then number after five, number five Staubach. on that list. Number five in that list, it would either have to be Quincy Carter or Danny White. Very close. What about Jason Garrett? No, no. Jason Garrett is nowhere near the top of any list. <laughs> He's nowhere near the top of any any sort of list. Listen, we're once again, we're getting off track. Who is your underperformer as far as your first underperformer? Uh, DJ Shark. And this was one that 
I was a little hesitant on Shark coming into the year because I knew that the Jaguars were going to be bad. Um, but I also understood that they were going to be in a position where because they would be bad, they would be in a position where they would have to throw the ball a bit more. And I thought that would be good for DJ Shark in that regard. I had him coming into the year as a seventh round pick. Um, so I was definitely lower uh, on him than most. And he, for most people, was a consensus fourth, fifth round pick, and he just did not live up to that mantle. And it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what the Jaguars look like next year. And do people who got burned by DJ Chark this year, do they go and take that plunging in next year with presumably Trevor Lawrence being the number one guy in Jacksonville? Do they go and take Trevor Lawrence's at this moment in time, his number one receiver in DJ Chark? I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion that we have during the offseason, not just for DJ Chark, but for other guys that disappointed this year. Uh, Kenny Galladay, who's not in this discussion, you know, what happens with him if he's in Detroit or if he leaves Detroit? Will people want to take that plunge on him? Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, um, you know, those those kind of guys that disappointed this Alan year. Robinson. Well, Alvin Robinson didn't disappoint. I'm just saying, I thought you were just talking about guys in different situations. Alan Robinson is the greatest things in side bread. He's, no, he's, he's he's amazing. Of course, I love Alan Robinson. I thought you were just talking about guys in different situations. I'm sorry. Oh well, uh, I I something still tells me that Alan Robinson stays in uh, in in Chicago, but I hope not. But something tells me that he'll uh, that he will uh, he'll stay there. Um, but yeah, DJ Chark is a is a massive massive disappointment for me. And I think after uh, after the preseason hype that was uh, surrounding DJ Chark. Uh, now we get into the post-hype sort of phase. Uh, I think he's a great post-hype sleeper uh, for 2021. I think he's someone that you could probably get a discount just because people are going to be a little scared to go and reinvest in DJ Chark, especially the ones that got burned by him in 2020. Well, I think one player also that you didn't mention on this list is Zach Ertz, who who actually does apply to the players oh. disappointed that could be in new, in new oh, situations. He was, he, he was He was on my list. He was on my list. I, w- I was going to talk about him. But I don't know if he counts necessarily. Um, well, he, 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 he played a decent yeah. amount. Well, mine is somebody that uh, it's it's Lev Bell. I mean, how, can, I how could you not yeah. be disappointed with the return from – I mean, listen, even with the debacle – where he was just either underutilized or he just looked like a shell of himself for half a season with the Jets. Not even half a season, like a quarter of a season with the Jets. Even when he went to Kansas City, he hasn't he didn't look great. Yep. And True. at this point, even in the playoffs, like he this was an opportunity when Clyde Edwards Hilaire was out for the last like what three weeks of the season. This was like a chance for for Le'Veon Bell to be like, okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna cement my spot as a guy that's going to uh, demand carries in the playoffs. Yeah. Like we're in 2013, 2014, 15, 16 with the Steelers, but he just couldn't capitalize on that opportunity. And it seems like it's either going to be more of a timeshare. When Clyde Edwards Laird comes back, or Clyde Edwards, or it's gonna be like the same as it was before, 
Clyde is like doubling up Lev Bell as far as carries are concerned. Fair and valid point. I mean, what the hell is the market going to be for him in the offseason? Oh, dear God. Maybe non-existent? Yeah. Welcome back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you have another one? I assume we have another one. There are there are a lot of, you know, going deeper down into this list, there were a lot of players that you could be put you could put on the disappointment pile. Well, to get ready for the uh over for the overachievers, because that that that's a list in and of itself. Um another underachiever for me is Chris Carson. And he was a guy that I had ranked as a third round pick. I like Chris Carson a lot, given the the offense that he was in in Seattle. They are a very run heavy uh team. And, you know, you could say Chris Carson missed four games, but, I mean, let, let's be real about it. Chris Carson was not the Chris Carson that we all know. In the 12 games that he played, 681 yards rushing, five touchdowns. You could say that if he played in four more games, maybe he gets you to just barely over 1,000 yards and he gets you to seven, eight touchdowns. For a guy that you're taking in the third round, that's not exactly the best kind of return when you were looking at other guys that were in that range. So, um, you know, for me, it just wasn't, if I can go back and redo how I evaluated Chris Carson, I would definitely do a little do over Um, because there were times where, listen, you, you played him this year. He basically was a touchdown dependent sort of guy. Otherwise he, he busted for you. So, um, yeah, I would I would definitely go and, and say that Chris Carson was definitely a disappointment based on where you were uh, you were drafting him this year. I think one that I think one that kind of is wishy washy. I think you would pro- if I say the guy his name, you probably say that he was a he was an underachiever. It's Hollywood Brown. Mm. Yeah, he, looking at these preseason rankings. Just, just looking at the preseason rankings, the players that he was sandwiched around are Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Raheem Mostert, and Darren Waller. Yeah. And Dak Prescott is after Darren Waller, but I mean, obviously that he doesn't count for the list, for any list. But really, I mean, I would have just about all of those players except for maybe Raheem Mostert over Hollywood Brown. Oh, easy. Easy. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. He was just someone that he was sitting on your bench for the better part of three quarters of the year. If you held on to him and you got his end of year explosion, I use explosion in quotations. Um, then congratulations. You, you, you may have gotten something out of him, but even if he did pop, even if, yeah. But even if he did pop off one week, did you really feel comfortable starting him the following week? No. Yeah. No. So, yeah, Hollywood Brown is a great one, and he he's someone that definitely applies. And I tell you what, Adam, and it's not it's one that I don't understand. Is there are people that still love him for next year? I don't get it. I really don't. I don't either. I mean, you know that. Just I almost I almost had a slip. I almost called him Deshaun Watson. No. <laughs> uh, you know that Lamar Jackson. His first read is Mark Andrews. Yep. And 
when you're being outperformed by, by Willie Sneed, that says a lot. And, you know, now maybe they bring back Des Bryant. Also, Des Bryant's there. He had, he looked pretty, he's looked pretty solid, you know, the past couple of weeks of the regular season. Des is a king. We love Des. And what this means for Hollywood Brown is it's not, not great. It really does not mean good things for Hollywood Brown. No, no. He's it, being fa- it seems like he's being phased out, not like completely phased out, but it just seems like his touches, his targets are dwindling. Well, it as also, the weeks go on. it also just comes down to the kind of offense that is run in Baltimore. We all know it's a run first offense. We yes, all know it is, it is run in Baltimore. It very yeah, much it, is run in Baltimore. Yeah. In case you didn't know. Um, you know, it, it, it is one that if you're taking a pass catcher there, even if you're taking a Mark Andrews there, it isn't necessarily the most surefire thing in the world that that guy is going to pan out. So you're uh, going to have weeks where it's going to be terrible. You're, you're going to have gonna be weeks like... where they're great. And then you're going to have weeks where they're terrible. Right. Right. And the only guy that you can consistently trust from that offense is anybody who you know is guaranteed running the ball. There's two guys, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins for next year. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown, I highly doubt, will be in my top 100 for next year. Highly, highly doubt it. You know, usually this would be the part where I say, really? But no, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm not. This is not. No. He's, he. yeah, it's just not worth it to take that risk. When you can, when there are so, there are better players before and after him mm-hmm. that you can take. Yep, I agree with you. Um, this is an interesting one for a lot of people because I know that um, there's a chance that maybe people were riding uh, this player towards the end of the year. Uh, had ten touchdowns this year, and I'm still calling him a bust. So uh, there are people that maybe will scratch their heads on this one. But when you're not even a thousand yard rusher and you're averaging four yards a carry. Um, that's all I really need to hear about what kind of performance you had based on where you were being drafted. And this guy was being drafted in the second round of drafts. And that gets not talked about enough. That's Kenyon Drake. And he was someone that I was pleading with you to try and avoid. I mean, 10 touchdowns is great. 18 touchdowns while in Arizona on the ground. Great, but not a thousand yard rusher. I just don't understand. Again, this is year after year after year. People want to hype up Kenyon Drake so much. And he does nothing for me. I I don't, I don't understand it. And He's an unrestricted free agent. Odds are Arizona's going to let him walk. So as of right now, a great dynasty buy low, if you can swing it, is Chase Edmonds. Because as of right now, he is the guy going into going into next year. Granted, I think the Cardinals will bring somebody in. Maybe they will draft someone and bring them in. But as of right now, Chase Edmonds is the guy in Arizona next year. So Kenyon Drake for me, B-U-S-T, bust. Well, I mean, Kenyon Drake, it was 10 touchdowns, but it was a very spotty 10 touchdowns. It was a lot. I, I would love to see um, if there is a chart for it anywhere, how many of his touchdowns came from five yard rushes 
or fewer. I would say over half. I mean, I think if you look at his game, his touchdown, like if you had a, a line graph of all the games they scored touchdowns in, and it was like, you know, you had data points for one touchdown, two touchdowns, three touchdowns. It would look like the EKG of somebody getting electrocuted. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, it, it would be terrible. It would just look very, very finicky. Lot, lots of peaks and valleys. And that's just, Ken, that's been Kenyon Drake this entire, this entire season. Yes, I would, I would uh, most certainly agree with you on, the, on that assessment. So I'm actually going in the same kind of vein as you and talking about running backs who were kind of injury prone. I mean, Kenyon Drake did miss some time, but it wasn't like a ton of time. It just seemed like he, he never played for a while because he was just like non-existent on the, on the field when he, when he was there for, for most games. I mean, the game against the Cowboys did really well, but I mean, that was kind of it. Uh, this player is Todd Gurley. Oh, God. And, oh, God. That's yeah. a great one. <laughs> that's a great one. I mean, one. Todd Gurley, people had – listen, you, you appreciate their optimism that Todd Gurley – they were expecting the Todd Gurley that was in L.A. pre-arthritis Todd Gurley. But really, I mean, he had kind kind of a hot start to the season, and then he just tapered off. And you saw that the injuries, the knee—I mean, the knee issues—were setting in, and he just was not the same player. And that's really not what you want to see. You'd rather have somebody start slow and then do well at the end of the season, rather than them having a quick start and then just come out flat in in crucial playoff games or play in games. And Todd Gurley was the kind of player where I think that a lot of fantasy players, especially those that drafted him this year or last year in 2020, I think a lot of players are going to be avoiding Todd Gurley. Oh, Todd Gurley, I would say is borderline do not draft. Depending I mean, I think on, a lot depending of on teams, where he is. Yeah. He's on a one year deal with Atlanta. There's so, a possibility he may not even be in the league. So Moot point, <laughs> but I, I don't, where do would you feel comfortable, Adam? This is, this is a, this is a genuine question. Would you feel comfortable taking Todd Gurley inside the top 100 next year? I wouldn't be comfortable taking Todd Gurley period. End of sentence. Th- thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Adam, I don't feel comfortable taking Todd Gurley at all. We're on the same page today. Yes. Adam Caster. Radio professional, various degrees. Are you trying to make me use my my coupon, my bird buck? I'm not doing it. I don't know what you're talking about. Of course not. But yeah, Todd Gurley is like is undraftable. Not even borderline undraftable. He is undraftable. I wouldn't touch him with a 25 foot pole. Held by somebody else. Held by somebody else, and then that person being held onto by someone else, while that person that's holding the original pole is hanging off of a cliff. While I'm standing behind two-way glass, correct, and looking and looking on. Yeah, no, nope. no, no, thank you. So, overachievers. This is this is always fun. This is a this is a much happier discussion to have. You love to you love to uh, get to the positives here. 
Yes, I mean, indeed, over overachievers, you got to say somebody like, oh boy, overachievers. I mean, J.K. Dobbins was definitely an overachiever. Yep, Jake was uh, pretty. I wouldn't say spot on because I don't think he won. No, he didn't win people. for people. He didn't win people leagues necessarily, but he definitely helped in that endeavor. But to say that he single-handedly did it, no, he did not. No, of course not. But I think that he, J.K. Dobbins is in for a really good season in 2021 if all things go well, because it looks like that Mark, uh, Mark Ingram is not going to be there. And basically his only competition would be the Gus bus. Yep. And well, I, I have probably the biggest overachiever of the year ready for you if you want it. I wonder who it is. Who do you think it is? Is it the person that you've been telling people to pick up on the waiver show? No. For the past eight weeks? No. Really? No, it is not. I actually, I was very close to putting Cam Akers down as an underachiever just because I feel like if people were drafting him where he was getting drafted, which is around the fifth, sixth round, you probably didn't hold on to him to be able to go out and use him. So no, it is not Cam Akers. Really? Okay. So who is it? It's the biggest one of the year. Hands down, far and away, you drafted him where he was being drafted. Congratulations. You probably won yourself a championship. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Sixth round ADP. I know. And he leads the league in receptions. I know. Unbelievable what Stephon Diggs was able to do for fantasy managers this year. And he'll be – this is an interesting one because I think a lot of people are now having this conversation of is Stephon Diggs going to be taken as a top five receiver for next year? And that is a hell of a conversation to have because, Adam, when I was doing uh, the top 12 and, and, and looking through and seeing you know, what my options were and doing some, um, some early stage analysis, receiver is so deep. Christ, who are you leaving out? It is so deep. Whereas running back is so shallow. It is yeah. so incredibly shallow. Usually of, it's the other way around. I mean, really, if you look if you look at running back for next year, you're talking McCaffrey, Kamara maybe, Cook maybe, Zeke maybe, Barkley maybe, Derrick Henry maybe. As well, Derrick Henry, I would say is a surefire thing. But those are really it in terms of locked and loaded first round picks and then you go outside of that guys like josh jacobs joe mixon nick aaron jones aaron jones great one adam great one austin eckler austin Austin eckler i think is a sure thing in ppr ppr i think he's a sure thing in none it gets more of a dicey or situation but we'll get to that when we talk about top 12 stefan diggs terrific he outperformed his adp leaps and bounds um and it'll be interesting to see if Adam or I have him in our top 12. Certainly. Uh, uh, oh boy. Um, I think my second overachiever is also a running. Well, I, I mentioned a running back for my first one. So this is also a running back. Um, and really this is kind of luck, a combination of luck and a combination of just, you know, turning it on, at the right point, you know, performing at the right moment. 
capitalizing on your opportunity. And that's Ronald Jones, the second in Tampa Bay. I mean, he really took advantage of Leonard Fournette missing, missing time. And he, I mean, he has looked really, really good to the point where Leonard Fournette has been a healthy scratch and, and uh, Rojo has been the guy. I mean, Rojo, he's great. He's been great for the past, like six, the past six weeks of the season, six or seven weeks of the season. And he is basically relegated Leonard Fournette to a bench role. And the only time that Leonard Fournette has gotten any sort of production is when Ronald Jones was out with not only a finger issue, but he was on the COVID list. Very interesting. Cause I was, wow. Oh, wow. Who did the Mets trade for? No. So this is just a text that, that I just got. And I got the notification just right after it. So it just bear with me on this. So a source just texted me saying that the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans are on the verge of divorce. Okay. This was literally two minutes before Ian Rappaport tweeted that Deshaun Watson is extremely unhappy with the Texans after he had no say in the hiring of new general manager, Nick Cassiero. Okay. Well, Mr. Douglas, pick up the goddamn phone. <laughs> See that that was the question that I was going to ask you. Do you trade number two overall for Deshaun Watson? Yes. <laughs> that was overwhelming. Yes. What, if it, what if it requires number two overall, next year's first, and like a third rounder? Can we give them Seattle's first from next year, or do they want ours? You can get them Seattle's, sure. Okay. So you're giving up both your first round picks this year, and then a third for Deshaun Watson right now. I would probably do it. Interesting. Yeah. The, J- the Jets have the cap space to, to the Jets have the cap space to take on the contract. A B. Why would you want to take a chance at finding a franchise quarterback when you can just trade for a franchise quarterback, somebody that's already developed and get a, f- get a hall of draft picks in return, which is what the Texans need. The Texans need first round picks. Wait, what are we? I was talking about the Jets. I know. That's what I'm saying. What I'm the saying would, is oh. the Texans would make this deal. The Jet for the Jets, this makes all the sense in the world. They so get a, they get their franchise quarterback, while the Texans, they get a guy, or they get the first round, their two first round picks and a third for their franchise guy. They can rip everything up. They can start over, which is what they need. Which is you what know, they need to do. You know, I feel like the pendulum is swinging in the other direction. The Knicks look like fucking world beaters. The Mets just traded for Francisco Lindor. The Jets might trade for Deshaun Watson. And the Rangers won the draft lottery. Ladies and gentlemen, so Adam Caster may be lifted. Also, Tom Thibodeau for mayor, 2021.
he'd win over de Blasio. I agree. As long as he can coach the Knicks while being mayor. Yes. Yes. Because don't leave it to Mike Woodson. No, no. I no. love Woody. Love Woody. But Tom, can, can you just see the smile that I have in my face? I love that. I love this goddamn team. The Knicks, I just. It was the last they, time that we could say that. I know. Nine I years know, ago? Nine years ago. Oh, God. Was it nine years ago? Stop that. Don't don't even don't do that to me. Nine years. Uh, and we didn't have to. We don't have, we didn't have a superstar. Although we do have a superstar. It's Austin Rivers. Yikes. Mm-hmm. No, our star is Julius Randle. Who needs, who needs Kevin Durant? Who needs Kyrie Irving when you have Julius Randle? The triple-double machine. The triple-double machine, baby. Move over, Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook. King. Julius Randle. King. What a king. Is a triple-double machine. What a king. Um, Whose turn is it to give an overachiever? It is your turn. Oh, well, okay. We'll let, let the parade begin. Allen Robinson. And oh, wow. I'm, what a shock. Big shock. I know. You were, strong. You were really wondering if I was going to say this. Opportunity to toot my own horn here. Number seven receiver in the year uh, was being drafted in the third round, uh, which I thought was criminally low. Uh, he should have been going front end of the second, back end of the first round in 12-team leagues. Uh, this is a dude that just really got it done, and it's a for- unfortunate, really, that he had to endure a stretch of the year where he had Nick fucking Foles as his quarterback. Otherwise, Allen Robinson would have been a top-five receiver guaranteed and would have outperformed my projection for him to start the season. So um, Allen Robinson, terrific once again, should get paid, fully, fully deserves it, and he'll be a guy next year again that nobody talks about, and I will be targeting every single place that I possibly can because he is God's gift to humanity. I have some slight breaking news. Speaking of the New York Knicks, we have just signed Todd Gibson. You're fucking with me. I am not. You're fucking with me. I'm not. The Knicks signed Taj Gibson and waived Omari Spellman. Oh, oh, okay. That's not a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Oh, but that makes sense because Taj Gibson played with Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yep. Oh, Twice. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Chicago, Minnesota. Yeah. Make it three times, third times charm. Make it make sense. I just did. Um, okay. Overachievers. This is a fun one. Um, I think Calvin Ridley. Talk about overachievers. Based on where he was going, I mean, yeah. In the same way as Ronald Jones, uh, you know, capitalized on Leonard Fournette being injured slash inconsistent. Not in the same way because Calvin Ridley is a potential, is probably a top 10 pick next year. And Ronald Jones might not be. But I think Calvin Ridley really did. Um he not only capitalized on Julio Jones's injury and how he was basically out for most of the season, but he might just force Julio Jones out of Atlanta period because Atlanta will be more comfortable with trading Julio Jones because they have Calvin Ridley. I definitely think so. It just really comes down to what are you trading Julio Jones for? You know, I don't know if he's going to recoup any serious sort of asset, 
Um, but it could also be that Atlanta decides, you know what, we're going to tear this whole thing down. And Jake and I had a uh, pretty good debate on uh, the Basement Talk podcast today where we were going back and forth. And, and Jake had made a point of he does not think Atlanta needs to tear it down just yet. He thinks they have a two-year window to potentially compete for a championship. I said no because this defense is not is nowhere near good enough. And I think the the time for uh, Matt Ryan and, and Julio, I think that's that that ship has sailed. Um, if you want to take with the number four overall pick, if you want to go out and potentially draft a franchise quarterback that can be the heir apparent to Matt Ryan, you can absolutely do that. Um, but it could create a pretty sticky situation for uh, for the Falcons. So. I, I, I'm in the camp of saying that the Falcons should be very, very interested in tearing the whole thing down. I don't really, I mean, they, regardless of who they're bringing as coach, I think they, they should tear it down because there's no way the window is shut for Atlanta. I, I, that's what I said. I believe it. Yeah. Would you, so put on your next year cap, let's say there, let's say Matt Ryan is there. Yes. Julio is not. No, no, I take that back. Matt Ryan, Julio, Ridley are all there next year. Are you ranking Ridley in the top 12? If they're all there? Of receivers, of receivers, not overall. Of receivers, Mm -hmm. yes. Top 10? Top 10, maybe. Top 8? Not top 8. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would say top 10 for me, uh, but top 12, yes, for receivers, I would. Um, if you can tell me that if you can guarantee me that Julio Jones plays a 16 game season, I would not rank him in my top 10. What if Julio is not there and it's Matt Julio, Ryan and Calvin Ridley? If Julio is not there, he's like a top eight, top five, even. Wow. Really? Really? That's interesting. I definitely top eight, though. I, I, look, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for rating him that highly. I, re- I really, really don't. Matt Ryan is still there. They have no running game. They're going to be terrible. Now, what if Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are not there? Oh, God. Then what? He's outside my top 100. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Hell then that, that's, a new, <laughs> that's a new conundrum. Because then you're thinking, well, who did they take? Who did they take at quarterback? If Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are not there, did they take Zach Wilson? Did they take Justin Fields? Did they Let's take say Matt it's Jones? Zach Wilson? If it's Zach Wilson, then he's probably like 15. You would around. have outside your top 12. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Just because I don't blame you. I don't blame you. you don't know with rookie quarterbacks and as good as Calvin Ridley is, you just don't know. Listen, it's, it's a fair point. It's a very, very fair point. I don't blame you for, for necessarily feeling that way at all. Yeah. Um, all right. So one more over from me. Yep. Um, if I had to say overachiever, Well, I guess uh, Robbie Anderson. I, I'll, I'll 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 put this one out there because oh, I don't you think pay, you've pained me so. 
<laughs> Don't remind me of these things. I miss I mean, Robbie he, Anderson. He was he was terrific playing yeah. with Teddy Bridgewater. And you know, I'm not gonna say he's a top 15 receiver for next year. Um, it'd be very interesting to see if he even cracks my top 24, but he'll definitely be a top 30 receiver for next year. Um, based on where he was being drafted this year, some leagues that he was just basically undrafted. Christ, and- you know, here's here's something. Sure. This murderer's row of players that in these in these rankings were ranked 163 through 167. I want you, I want you to listen to them. I'm listening. Or actually, no, 161 to 167. Okay. 161, Jerry Judy. Okay. 162, Robbie Anderson. Okay. 163, Aaron Rodgers. What? Yep. Oh, my Lord. 164, Johnny Smith. 165, Divine... Ozigbo, whatever. Oh, Devon Ozigbo. Yeah, that that's fine. That's that makes sense. One sixty six, Baker Mayfield. One sixty seven, wow. Jalen Rieger. Aaron Rodgers at one sixty three. Oh my lord! Preseason was a different time. He was ranked lower than kickers. That's disheartening. Greg Zerline. Legatron was ranked higher than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that is so terrible of us as a, as an industry that we let that happen. I know. Oh, preseason. Who would have known? Oh my Lord. That's bad. That's really, really, really bad. I uh, hear yeah. the three players after it. Cause it's even funnier. It gets, it gets funnier. Sure. Uh, well, Alshon Jeffrey is 168. Nikhil Harry is 169. Nice. 170. Ryan Tannehill. Oh, Mr. Tannehill. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So Robbie, Robbie Anderson is my um he's an over he's an overachiever for me. Shocking as it is to say it. Yeah, I think one overachiever also. I guess that's a theme for these is just you know capitalizing on injured injured players. David Montgomery. Oh, yeah. That's a really good one. I mean, he was ranked 77 in these preseason rankings. And I think I could safely say that he outperformed those rankings. Oh, yeah. He outperformed those rankings. Hell yeah. Without controversy. I can say that. Without controversy. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so save the best for last save the most interesting for last is the top 12 you're checking your phone for uh, potential jets trades for deshaun watson i'm trying just keep refreshing i am refresh refreshing twitter to see if uh my friend ian uh sends me a dm god what a great i did tell you about this off air is that uh the when because i was when i was at work they were doing Moose and Maggie have their their weekly interview segment with Ian Rappaport, and the Francisco Lindor trade broke while they were interviewing Ian Rappaport, who is a noted mix uh, a noted Mets fan. He probably is a Knicks fan too, but he is a noted Mets fan. 
I was going to say, I'm, I was pretty sure that he is a, uh, that he is a very, very, very probable Knicks fan. Yeah. He's probably a Knicks fan, but he's, he's definitely a Mets fan. It's always fun when you have beat report, beat reporters for other sports and you know, which teams that they root for. That's always a fun thing for me. Like Rich Cimini. Yeah. Who does he root for? He's a Jets fan. He's, I know he's a Jet. That's not what I meant. You you need to sound more sarcastic, Adam. I mean, like how Ian Rappaport is a Mets fan and like how Greg Wyshynski or Wyshynski, I don't know how you say that, but he, he's a Jets fan. He he covers hockey for ESPN. He's Jets fan. Like that sort of thing. That's always fun. Oh, that kind of thing. I see. Yeah. Where you find, because obviously you can't just say your allegiance is where you can't say like when you're covering the sport. You right. Can't Boomer have, and can't say, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jets fan or I'm a, I'm a Bengals fan. No. Well, I'm saying like if you're an insider or a beat reporter for a sport, you can't just say that you're, you support one team over everybody else. Oh, sure you can. You could be Adam Schefter and say you're a Wolverine. Yeah. Well, it doesn't cover college football. That's the thing. I wonder how it feels, Adam Schefter, and, and being a Michigan Wolverine fan, and for all the Wolverines out there as well, uh, to always consistently be second fiddle to the Ohio State. Repping. Yeah. Repping the boys tonight. Oh, yeah. H. Thank you. You lost to a bunch of leaves. <laughs> Aren't Buckeyes leaves? Or are they nuts? Buckeye? Yeah, Buckeye. Isn't it like a nut or a leaf? No, it's a tree. It's a tree? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's a tree. Okay. Hey, Adam. Yep. How awesome was it? <clears throat> I apologize. I had to clear my throat there. How awesome was it that we put that dumb bitch Dabo Sweeney in his place? <laughs> oh, that felt nice. Oh, well, it, was terrific. Def- it was great because it increased the value of the second overall pick is that's why I was excited about that. Well, that was nice. That was awesome. So my top 12 is very interesting. Uh, well, the top four, I think is not that interesting because it's just it's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Alvin Kamara is PPR. Yeah, PPR. PP, yeah. McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and then Derrick Henry. I've seen it reversed. I think in PPR, you I, I would put Dalvin Cook over Henry just because Henry doesn't really do much receiving. So okay. PPR. But that obviously is also dependent on where Dalvin Cook is in time for the 2021 season. True. Number five, I think since there are no, it's not like a sure thing for running backs. You got to put Devonte Adams here because he he's he's been incredible, and he is a guy that is like almost. There's no guarantees, but he's like a lock to give you like 15, 20 points a week, as long as Aaron Rodgers is still there. He has just been a machine. You can take the two games that he misses a year. Fine. But he is a he is a machine. He's incredible. That he is. 
number six. Number six is tough. This is six to 12 is first half. Sure. Fine. Whatever. Six to 12 is the hardest. So always, always the hardest. Uh, Cause you can go in so, so many different directions. Um, for number six, I'd probably put Saquon Barkley. Maybe mm. I, I think, yeah, I would put Saquon at six. I mean, he's coming off the ACL injury. You don't know what he's going to be, but you know, but what you do know is that, you know, that he's going to be the focal point of the offense. That is and true. the usage is going to be there and you, you can't really say, and that really is, you know, the makings of a first round pick is that, you know, they're going to be the focal point of the offense. Um, I think as far as number seven is concerned, I think people are going to be taking probably Tyreek Hill at seven, just because of not only just because, yeah, because of the production, of course. And at number eight, I'm going back to back. I think Kelsey's going at eight. Wow. Kelsey's probably. I think, I mean, I think that it's part of a top 10. It's part of part top 12 part where I think these players are going to be drafted. People are going to be drafting Kelsey in the first round. You're going to be seeing it. I have him as a first rounder, not as high as that, but I have him as a first rounder. You are going to be seeing Travis Kelsey in the first round. And he is a, listen, he is a, he's a tight end. He plays a, not only a, a premium position, tight end. He puts up wide receiver numbers. It's like you have an extra receiver. You have an extra wide receiver at tight end. There's like a lock to, to put up wide receiver one numbers. It's incredible. It's like he cloned Devontae Adams, but you like stopped halfway through. Because he's not doesn't put up all of the points that Devontae Adams does, but it's like you have two of them. It's incredible. Yeah, Tyre, uh, Travis Kelsey at eight. At number nine, I think that people are still going to pick Ezekiel Elliott at nine, just because of the fact that this is a major bounce. He's a major back, bounce back candidate. Um, coming back off of not only him himself being injured, uh, the Cowboys are going to try and run him back. I mean, when Dak was there, Ezekiel Elliott looked really good. So I think, if, I mean, obviously if Dak comes back then, and the offensive line comes back healthy, then you we might be seeing some semblance of that in 2021. Number 10, I think people are going to be picking DeAndre Hopkins at number 10. Uh, even with Kyler Murray injured, DeAndre Hopkins still put up numbers. And that is something that I think people don't really talk about a lot. The fact that, the fact that Kyler Murray was playing with half a shoulder and DeAndre Hopkins was putting up numbers. And that is valuable. You know, he's quarterback proof. We know this. The guy had Tom Savage throwing to him for, for a season and a half. He is quarterback proof. Speaking of quarterback proofs, quarterback proof players, I mean, number 11 
is Allen Robinson. He is quarterback proof. He, he's incredible as well. Um, I could easily swap Robinson and Hopkins just because of how, how, of how good they are. And this also depends on where Allen Robinson uh, lands in the offseason. If he stays in Chicago, if Trubisky stays with him in Chicago, then Allen Robinson is on pace for a really, really, really good season. And even if he goes somewhere else, he's still going to have a solid season. But he he's the kind of receiver that you that you want. And it's not the same level where you're going to be setting him in, and sleeping well at night because the Bears are very hit or miss. But I think that Al Robinson usually gets his in a in any given uh, game situation. And at number twelve, I think I'm going to go with running back here. I could also I could definitely go with receiver as well, but I think we go with running back and go. This is PPR, and I'm going to go with Austin Eckler in PPR, just because he's a a standout in PPR. Uh, you're going to have a full, you're hopefully knock on wood going to have a full season of Austin Eckler. And he, with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who already looks like a stud in year one with that, with that receiving core and with how much Austin Eckler gets the ball. It seems like he touches the ball in every play, whether it be running the ball, catching the ball, or even faking the run on play action. It just seems like Austin Eckler touches the ball in every single play. And that's why, you know, he, he's number 12 for me. I like your top 12, Adam. I do. I do like it a lot. Uh, We kind of have the same guys, uh, just not in the same order. Um, My number one is Christian McCaffrey. Number two, Alvin Kamara. Number three, I've actually put Derrick Henry here. And I just think, you know, I'm, I'm, Buying in to everything that the Titans do with Derrick Henry. This is a run first offense. And, you know, what I saw at the end of the year where they just wanted to give Derrick Henry every opportunity in the world to be a 2000 yard rusher. They did it. And, you know, as long as Derrick Henry is not slowing down or anything like that, you know, he's going to be, I would say, you know, even with the lack of receptions, this is a dude that is locked and loaded as one of the safest bets in fantasy to score on every, on any given week. Uh, number four, Devontae Adams. Number five, Dalvin Cook. Obviously, uh, depending on where he ends up, he ends up in Minnesota. Uh, the number five will stay. He goes elsewhere. It'll be, of course, having to assess that situation and see uh, where Dalvin Cook would uh, would adjust to uh, on these very, very, very early uh, early rankings. Number six, I have Tyree Kill, my number two wide receiver coming into the year. I think I'm finally embracing that Tyree Kill may be a competent receiver in uh, in this league. Number seven, I do have Ezekiel Elliott here, and I think Adam and all the points that you made uh, bounce back is coming for Zeke, and I am not willing to drop him much lower than this just because I want to be prepared for a Zeke bounce back, especially when you get Dak Prescott and you get that offensive line back. Uh, much better for Zeke. I think uh, s- smoother uh, sailing is ahead for, uh, for Zeke. Uh, number eight, I'm going for Saquon Barkley. I have them uh, neck and neck. Barkley, another one I think is uh, is going to be due for a bounce back coming off of the knee injury. Um, but again, there is obviously some risk there with uh, guys coming back from ACL injuries with the soft tissue. 
uh, injuries that usually do follow a uh, ACL reconstruction. So uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on and definitely is a risky pick. But if he, you could tell me that Saquon Barkley plays 16 games, I would definitely still be taking him in the first round. You could tell me he plays 16 games. You could probably put him in that group of CMC, Kamara, and Derrick Henry, quite honestly. Uh, number nine, Michael Thomas. Uh, number 10, really? DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Wait, uh, wait. I'm not going to let you just, just go on to the next pick here. Sure. Michael Thomas. Yep. Why? Um, I'm operating under the assumption that Drew Brees is going to be there. Even if he is not, I am still comfortable with Michael Thomas. Well, that is a then, wrong assumption because I'm pretty sure he said he's going to retire, Drew Brees. I, I don't. Did he say that? Did it come from his lips? I don't know if he, I don't know if it came from his lips per se. Last I heard, it's it's been all it's been all speculation. But even if it's not Drew Brees, let's say it's not Drew Brees and it's Taysom Hill. We saw what Michael Thomas was with Taysom Hill. He was terrific. So even it may not be as consistent. Obviously, you need to look at it over a 16 game period. Um, but I like Michael Thomas even still next year, uh, just because of how safe and how secure his floor is. Mostly on uh, on any given week, I would love him even more if he's out of New Orleans. Uh, number 10, DeAndre Hopkins. Number 11, my guy, my king, Allen Robinson. And number 12, Travis Kelsey. Nice. Any questions? No Austin Eckler? Um, Austin Eckler is just outside my top 12. He is in my top 15. All right. Yep, and I also have, I also have Patrick Mahomes in my top 15 as well. It's interesting because looking at the uh, ADP rankings for the fantasy football calculator, it's uh, interesting. You know where Patrick Mahomes is, his ADP? Please don't tell me he's a first rounder. Oh, five. Oh, this is silly season. Five. This is silly season. This is when, this is when they're using, they're using mock draft data though. For yeah. fantasy football well, calculator, people, that's what a lot of that's what a lot of the data is that's coming in that's available. Is it's it's a well, lot yeah, of I mock mean, draft heavy data. Well, people are just being like, I wonder what would happen if I did this, right? And that's where right. the numbers get skewed. Well, this is where you you, you start being silly. Go ahead, take it, Patrick Mahomes number one overall. See what happens. Because it doesn't count. Because it doesn't count, right? You're going to do if you're a good fantasy football player and you know what you're doing and you listen to this podcast. Obviously, we are going to help as much as we possibly can. It's what we do. Um, but there is no better studying on top of listening to this podcast, whenever it comes out, than doing mock drafts. That is the best way for you to prepare for your drafts in July and August. I'm not saying on January 7th in the year of our Lord 2021 at 7.52 p.m. to go and pull up Fantasy Pros or Fantasy Football Calculator or any of the other sites and do a mock draft but you know we get closer to april you may could. what we definitely could and we probably will at some point for me the ideal time to do a mock is no i'm saying you may. could do it today if you wanted to if you wanted well, to- yes you could you could i wouldn't recommend it but you could here's the thing though i think that you know you're seeing mock draft i think maybe we see mock drafts differently i think now i see mock drafts a little differently just because there not only it's the dress rehearsal before the actual show, the draft, mm-hmm. yep, but also it prepares you for different situations. Yeah, for different contingent. It you know you can flow chart it out. You have contingency plans like oh well, 
what what would happen if I take if I go running back here mm-hmm. and I go running back again, or maybe I go receiver here and go running back, or go receiver receiver. Yeah, it, it's it is nice to do a full one just to kind of see you know what what your team kind of looks like. I always say though, at least early on in the pre-draft process with where we are now, I usually like to start off with doing four or five rounds just to kind of see, you know, where guys are falling, how I can construct the first five rounds of a draft and then going from there. It's not, I don't really go too deep into doing mocks until May until after the NFL draft is done and we have a sense as to where certain guys are, then that's when I start, you know, really going heavy into, into the mocks. Um, well, then you have rookies too. Well, right. Yeah. Cause I mean, if we were doing a mock at this time last year, you'd have Marlon Mack probably as a fourth round pick. And then, yeah. you know, you see the draft and you realize, Oh fuck. I just did draft for the last three months. And now they draft this guy, Jonathan Taylor. Well, then you'd be the like, cops. they messed well, up my mock. And you'd have like Carson Wentz being like a, being like a ninth round pick. You're like, wow, they drafted this guy, Jalen Hurts. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But um, yeah, so that's, that's my top 12. And this is not the first, and this is not the last time we'll be talking about pre-draft ranks over the course of the next five or six months. I'm sure. Yeah. You can definitely bet, bet on that and get a nice return. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast, the Quiz Invitational, and the Basement Talk Podcast Debate, as well as, obviously, us, the Fantasy Show. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So we'll catch you next week talking more fantasy football, more weird tangents about books we read in high school, and stuff like that because that's what this is now. That's where we are. This is our world. You're just living in it. That's right. Man, you saved you see you burned a really good line that you could have used for the outro, but whatever. For the for the outro outro. Could have. Could have. But yeah. Could've. Anyway, for my co-host Ed Birdsall, I am Adam Castor and we'll talk to you next time on the Face and Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. There are only two words that I will ever say as the last thing for the outro. Adam. Bye-bye.